0: Good morning to each one of you, and greetings in Jesus' name. It has been a while since, well, it not been a while since I've been here, but it's been a while since I've preached here, and uh, it's, it's fun to come back and see you all, and God bless you for keeping uh, the flame burning while others have been gone. Well, what I'd like to ask is, if you are a man, please stand up. That's good. Okay, you may be seated. I was wondering when this break was going to come between a boy and a man, so I think I see that now. As I share this morning, I share as one that has not attained, and so, you know, we have ideals in life. And we all set a certain standard or we have a standard in our mind that we think, This is the way it should be. And you know, we have these ideals and sometimes we think that others should live up to those ideals that we see, that we have set. But I think often we uh, fail to realize that maybe I am not myself stepping up to the plate and living like I should be living. You know, we have ideals for others and we can see those and we can point those out. But are we seeing those ideals and maybe even pointing them out to ourselves? The reason I had the men stand... Joe, could you stand quick? Yeah, great. Okay, here's another man for you. I had the men to stand. But as I observe churches, and you do too, as as we observe churches, communities, and homes, it seems like there are a lot of men in this world turning away from leading out. Turning away from leading in their home, leading in their church, leading in their community, turning away from basically leading anything except maybe their own selfish desires. And again, I I share that I am right there. Human, Human flesh and blood. I see men turning away because it takes too much time. It takes too much effort. Or maybe my wife can do a better job of it. And in many cases, that may be true. Women can do a better job. But regardless of the fact that whether they can do a better job or not, men are supposed to lead out in the proper headship order the way God designed it and we need to follow that. And I think Satan is making inroads into our homes, our churches, our communities and the world because men are not stepping up to the plate. Their men are not doing their job. And again, we need to be godly men. Men that are going to take time out to lead out first in their own lives. And that's why I shared that disclaimer for myself. Because I haven't always been there and even today, I still fail in leading out and being a godly person. And sometimes in my own humanity, I fail to be that godly person that God is so calling each one of us to be. But we as men have been given so much, and ladies, I'm sorry, y'all can listen in today. This is mainly to the men, but along with that, you have your place, you have your job. But we have been given, all of us have been given opportunity to be, to be called the sons of God. We've been given the opportunity to sit with Him in high places. And many times, and I want you to think about that, men and women, many times we squander that time away on things that we want to do and not the things that we should be doing. Things that we should be doing for the kingdom of God, for other people. In Romans 8 it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And it also says in Revelation, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. God has provided for us to be called his children, to sit with him in high places, and that is an ideal that is basically out of this world. But what are we doing to attain that? And I say that not only to the men, but to each one of us here. What are we doing to attain that? We need to be men also that are going to lead out in our homes. And I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Genesis. I love the Old Testament. There are so many lessons in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 2. And you'll learn through my preaching that often I will refer to the Old Testament, not always, but that God God said in His Word that He provided these as examples for us. And so we need to remember that as we read. But we need to be men that are going to lead out in our homes. As it was in the beginning, we see that God, God created Adam and Adam fell down on his job. But anyway, regardless of that, we we need to read about this. In all of God's creation, God spoke things into being. Except when He created man, He actually got His hands dirty. And I want you to think about that as we read. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, "...and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground." It didn't say it spoke spoke Him into being. It said that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. God reached down into that earth and pulled out that red clay. It says that this, this word dust and ground means ruddy or red or clay. And it says that God formed him and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became an eternal, forever living being. And you know, we look at this church here as a mission outreach church, and that it so is. Because in all of the area around this, this small vicinity, Chestnut Ridge, Mabel Memorial Church here, Mabel Memorial Chapel, there are living Beings, living souls, eternal beings that will go to an eternal home. Where will they go? Unless we are a part of the plan of reaching out of the gospel of Jesus Christ and doing what we are supposed to do, there are going to be many, many souls that go the way of those apart from Christ. And that's hard to imagine, and yet it does happen. Man became a living soul. And God gave him some responsibilities. In verse 8 it says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put man, whom He had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I want you to think about the sequence of events here. You know, we have the creation, and then God created man, and then God put man or created the garden and put man in there. And then it says in verse, chapter 2, verse 16, skip down a little bit. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat free, freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt eat of it, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Okay, sequence of events. God created, then God created man, formed him out of the dust of the ground. Then God made the garden and put him there to keep it. And then he gave him a command. And this command that God gave Adam was very straightforward. It was very simple. He said, of everything you can have except for this one tree. And then he said what would happen to him if he did eat of that tree. His instructions were very simple, easy to follow. And Adam, being the son of God created in his image, was supposed to obey his father. Now Joe, when you tell your boys to do something, is it just well, is it just a suggestion? For any of you all men out there, When you all give your children instructions, is it a suggestion or is it something that you want them to do right away? And I think most times we give them suggestions, but we word it as a suggestion. But sometimes we give them a a, a commandment that they need to do, and we expect them to do that. It's called obedience. Adam was given the charge. To be the keeper of the garden, he could pick from any of the tree except one. It was plain and simple. Each one of us could understand what God told Adam. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. And out of the ground The Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And I'm going to stop there for just a minute. What's really interesting to me in all of this, God formed Adam. He got his hands dirty. He reached into that clay and he formed that man and breathed into him the breath of life. And he made an eternal being just like himself. God. But then, as God created man to be in fellowship with himself, God and man in fellowship, God also recognized that man would not do well alone. I see God's humor in this. Because in God's humor, it says that it wasn't good for man to be alone, and so he created all of the creatures. The dogs and the giraffes and the Donkeys and everything. And it said, when he brought them to him. It says in Adam, verse 20, gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. I see God's humor in that. God knew Adam would need fellowship, companionship, And he created all the animals and none was suitable for that. But God knew that Adam, like like himself, wanted fellowship, needed fellowship. And it says he knew that what he had created, that he would not do well alone. It says that right here in these verses. We need companionship. We need help. We need that encouragement. Men need that. Men need someone to respect them, to make them feel like a man. But as we need that, so must we be. In in order to be respected, we need to be respectable. In order to be a leader we need to lead out. In order to be a godly leader, we need to practice that godliness in our lives. The godly person that God created each one of us to be. But even in this, after God created all of these magnificent, beautiful, and even humorous creatures, none were suitable. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. Verse 21 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Now remember, sequence of events. God created, God created man, He he created the garden, He put Adam there to keep it, He gave him a commandment, He created the animals, none was found suitable, then He created woman. And it says that He took one of His ribs. And I'm not sure which side it would have been. And it really doesn't matter. But He took a piece of that eternal being out of that eternal being. Something that was a part of His side, a part of His flesh, a part of His bone. And He took that flesh and bone out of man. And then He created the crown of creation, the perfect helpmeet for Adam. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made He a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out from the side, from this rib of man. Eve was to be his helpmeet. She was to be his aid, his helper. And she was created out of man. God gave this beautiful creature to Adam for a helpmeet, to be his wife, to be his companion. One that would help him in so many ways. And I have experienced that in my life and I would imagine that many of you all have too as you have uh, committed yourself to marriage. It is amazing how that Husband-wife relationship complements one another. And you've heard that, you've heard the old term opposites attract. Opposites attract for a reason. Because God, in His omniscience and maybe in His humor, sees our needs. And He blesses us or draws us or brings us together as husband and wife to complement one another. In our home, Paula is the mercy. I am the law. And I may have shared that before. But Eve was to be his helpmeet, his aid. Eve was not created to tell him what to do. Eve was not created to raise their children alone. To not have family devotions because he was gone all the time. Eve was not created to assume all the responsibilities that Adam didn't want to do. But she was to be his support system. She was supposed to be his cheerleader, his encourager, his behind-the-scenes type of person. She was his deaconess. You look at the deacons in your all's congregations, and we see that they are there all the time doing things. At least that's the way it is in our congregation. They are there behind the scenes doing the work that's needed to be done without a lot of show, without a lot of pomp and circumstance, without a lot of recognition, and yet things are getting done. But she was to be His help, His aid. She was not created to grab Him by the nose and lead Him around wherever she wanted Him to go. That was not the reason that Eve was created. She was created to be beside Him from His side, out of His side, to return to His side, to complement Him, to complete Him, to complete that physical union. And it says in the New Testament, the two shall be one flesh. That's a returning of that rib to His side and creating that bond that is forever in this life inseparable, except for tearing. In the New Testament... The apostles Paul speaking about the church and the proper way of to worship, the proper headship order, he said in First Corinthians eleven. And I want you to turn there with me. First Corinthians chapter eleven. First Corinthians chapter eleven, starting in verse seven. It says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, forasmuch as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Now how does this work? I want you to think about these verses as we read through there. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. What is that saying? That's saying that in the beginning... God created man, and then He took woman out of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. And we see that in this text in Genesis. Eve was created to be his helpmeet, to be his sidekick, to be that returned flesh that would complete him as a physical being in union of one flesh. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Now what, is this, what are these verses saying? Okay. We recognize that in the beginning woman was taken out of man. But we also recognize that in the beginning He was created male and female. And they were to come together in one flesh. And they were to propagate the population of the world, returning as one flesh. And then that one flesh would create other, being, other beings, other human beings, other eternal beings. And for it says, as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also born she is of the woman. And so we see from the very beginning, Adam was created. He was given a direct charge. He was given responsibility. He was given a companion, a helpmeet, an aide. And then from there, men would come forth from generation to generation. But I want you to think about this. The command that God gave Adam was that he was supposed to be in charge. He was the head of the home. Adam was created. He was given a direct charge from God. He was given from his father. He was told what to do. And he was supposed to be a keeper. He was supposed to be a leader. He was supposed to instruct. And he was supposed to be an example He was supposed to maintain that proper headship order of Him being the leader. And in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, and Adam was the man. But He's also given some further instruction. And we see that also in some of the words of the New Testament. Adam was given charge or command that he was to love Adam was given God gave Adam a special charge to leave and cleave to be bound to be welded an inseparable bond between the two male and female one flesh and it's a great mystery and yet it's a mystery that we somewhat understand but I don't know that we will totally understand until Christ comes for the church but someone shared with me that this bonding is an inseparable bond It's like a gluing or a welding together when two male and female come together in holy matrimony. When they come together, it's an inseparable bond. It's like running a welder down through two plates of steel. And oftentimes, where that steel will break will not be on the weld, but it will be off to the side of the weld. Someone also shared with me that A perfect example or a good example of this weld, this bond, would be creating a clay figure of a female pink. Pink modeling clay with a dress, two legs. When we see a bathroom symbol, well, how do we recognize it? The women, it says it has a dress on it, two legs. The men, it just has two legs. And so you take this pink. And you make the form of a woman with a skirt. Then you take the blue clay and you make it in the form of a man. Two arms, two legs, head, torso. And then you bring those two together. And you start kneading that clay together. And when you start kneading that pink and that blue together, it is a bond that is created that is basically inseparable Because once that blue and that pink become intertwined through holy matrimony, through God's command, it cannot be separated without some type of tearing away, of pulling away. And when you separate those two lumps of clay from that one lump that God has joined together, you pull those two apart. What do you have on each side? You have blue and pink, and you have blue and pink intertwined. Because it's inseparable. And it's the way that God has designed it. But we see in the society we live in today. The inseparableness of or the chaos of the separation of man and woman. And the mixed up. And the torn down. And it has affected our families. It has affected our churches. It has affected our communities. And ultimately it has affected the nation, and the world. God created it for a specific purpose. And that purpose was to glorify Him. But also with that, we are given separate charges. We are given different things that we should do. In Ephesians 5, verse 28. You may want to turn there. I'll be reading several verses. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 verse 28 says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Now fellas, I know for a fact when you get hungry, you feed your body. When you get thirsty, you feed your body. When you need rest, you go lay down and rest. When you hammer a nail, you don't aim for your thumb. We don't do that. It says, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth he feeds it, and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church, for we are members of his body, and of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and be squished together. That blue and pink clay. Joined unto his wife, that they shall, that two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I want you to draw attention. I want to draw attention to the last part of that. The last part of that verse. It says. See that she reverence. That she reverence her husband. The word joined in verse 31 means to glue, to adhere, to cleave, to join together. But it says there, see that she reverence. And that doesn't mean that he is higher It just means that you recognize the proper God-designed headship order that God created. Now I want you to turn back with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. God created Adam. He gave him his charge. He told him what he needed to do. He created the animals. Then he created Eve. And Adam was supposed to transfer his knowledge that God had given him His commands to his wife. In chapter 3, verse 6, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. We read this account of creation. And we see and we know what happened to the da- it happened to be the downfall of the human race, the entrance of sin into the world. And this effect of her seeing and desiring and taking and eating have had effects that have caused pain and turmoil throughout the ages. This disobedience or lack of leadership or absence of submission or default of fear of holy God has been a source of problems in our marriages, in our homes, in our churches, in our communities, and in the world, and we can see that. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but have you all ever had a marital spat? Have you ever had a disagreement? Have you ever gotten It is because of the curse of sin. Because if there would be no sin in this world, there would be no bad attitudes, no bad thoughts, no selfishness, no, no anything contrary to God. Because ideally it would all be a perfect world, a perfect garden, a perfect environment for all of us. But sin entered in because of choice. And as we look at the world that we live in and the effects of this sin, just a couple of months ago, there was a 19-year-old man gunned down more than two dozen students in a school where he had been a former student. He was an outcast from fellow students. He was a loner. Someone who wanted and needed attention, discipline, order in his life. His parents had passed away. His father Several years ago from a heart attack, and his mother just recently in late November, late uh, 2017, in November from pneumonia. And this troubled young man went and did an unthinkable, unspeakable crime. But I ask you, who were this man's idols? Who were his mentors? Who were his guides? Who or where were the men in this young man's life? Men that are going to give leadership, that are going to give love, that are going to give guidance. Men that will give discipline and protection. Something to look up to, something to respect. Where were they? In a perfect environment, they would be there. They would give that guidance, that leadership, that that, uh, instruction. And in the perfect environment of the Garden of Eden, Adam was supposed to give instruction to Eve. And yet somewhere along the way, somebody fell down on the job. Our lack of leadership, and I say this men and also to the women because sometimes we have responsibilities there as well in leadership positions. Maybe not in a home, a marriage, but, but oftentimes oft we have leadership responsibilities but our lack of leadership has eternal effects on those that follow after. I look at these children here. I look at our children. And I look at the children that are everywhere. And these children here are eternal beings that are going to live forever. forever. What are we doing as men or as women to instruct them so that they too can experience the eternal bliss of living with God, Jesus Christ, forever and ever in eternity. We have an opportunity before us. But what happens when we fall down on the job? Men, think about this. Oftentimes when men fall down on the job, women pick up the slack. It's just what they naturally do to try to be a helpmeet. They assume the jobs that irresponsible men let slide. If a husband is lacking in discipline in his home in their home, the wife will typically pick it up. And I'm not making that a general statement, but typically, if a man is lacking in leadership in the home, typically a wife will pick up, pick up the pieces, will step up her game. Not many women, will stand idly by and watch their homes go down the tubes because their husbands are not proper leaders or providers or protectors because appearance is everything. My granddad on my mom's side was an alcoholic. He worked for a while and then he drank it away. And my grandma had to go out and work so that they could make ends meet, so that they would have food on the table. And it was a hard job for her. And I don't know all the ramifications of of their home and their life and all that. You go by stories that you hear. But where granddad failed, grandma picked up the slack. And when women assume the roles of men, the proper order of headship is flipped upside down. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's thrown out of whack and things go downhill. Things go downhill in the home. Things go downhill in the church. Things go downhill in the community. And as we look around us, things go go downhill in the world. When the wife assumes a domineering or leadership position in the home, boys especially, and this is not a blanket statement, but something that I've read about, something that I've studied about, something I've talked about with other people, when women assume a domineering or a leadership position in the home because the men fail or fell down on the job, boys especially never learn what the proper view of authority is in viewing the Godhead order. And it often gives them a confused message of a proper Godhead or proper view of God the Father because their father has not taken their rightful role, their rightful place in the home. They don't know how to handle this upside down view of authority and so typically they rebel. They bug out. They react against the authorities in their life. Namely, their parents, school officials or, or rules in the school Church and church leaders, church rules, laws of the land, their police, their boss, and the list can go on and on and on. Can you see that? I think if we look, we can see that. If we will but look around us, we can see families devastated by lack of male godly leadership in the home. And we can see why the churches have gone the way they have gone. Away from Scripture. Away from men leading in worship. Away from men leading out in their homes, their communities, the church, and the world. And this has devastated human souls for centuries. But I want to say this. This lack of leadership or women stepping up to the plate, women assuming these roles, is not a woman problem. It's a man problem. It's a lack of leadership problem. And so we need to be men that are willing to take the time to be a man, to be a godly man. We need to take the time to be servants of God first, to be a godly leader in our home, to be godly leaders in our churches, to be a godly leader in our community and in the world for the glory of God, not for us but for the souls that follow after because they are precious in God's sight and God wants us to pass on this faith in the proper order of headship. It's God's design and we need to look at it as God's design and then go forward in faith. 1 Timothy verse 4 I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11. It says, These things command and teach. These things command and teach. This is not what I'm saying. This is what God is saying. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to the reading to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Presbytery. Meditate on these things, and give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine, and continue in them. For in doing this, catch this last phrase, Thou shalt save, I'm sorry, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And that's my challenge to myself and to each one of us that we can give attendance to these commands, to this godly design that that God Himself implemented, and that He has entrusted us to step up to the plate and to be the people that we are supposed to be. Men being the godly leaders. Women being that support team, that, that cheerleader, that helpmeet, that completion of an eternal being in one flesh. And it needs to be for the glory of God and for the saving of souls. May we be challenged to this end.